Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Good morning. Good morning. It's the 16th of October, 2023. I'm Carmen LaBerge. Um, Good morning and welcome to Mornings with Carmen. The events of the past week um, have certainly driven me to my knees, wondering wondering if you're there with me, uh, spending a lot more time in concerted prayer. Um, The events not only here in the United States and in our own lives, but events around the world as well. I found myself uh, bowing with hands raised in desperation uh, to some of the news out of the Middle East. Prayers of, God, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Um, I have sought to tend to what I would just describe as the raw grief of my Jewish friends and the stories that they are hearing from their loved ones in Israel. I have um, sought to understand a historic hatred that is very much alive today in the hearts of uh, men and women. I mean, you know, I use men there collectively. Um, my heart is broken by the plight of now a million people in Gaza who are internally displaced with nowhere to go, no food or water, electricity or fuel, Um, notified to evacuate and head south in a strip of desert toward a border with Egypt that remains closed. So in terms of um, the image I have in my mind, I'm wondering if Exodus 20 is, is an image that we might hold up um, in order to be able to sort of see in real time an event that took place in history. And obviously I'm talking about the Exodus. I mean, it, it, was, it was God's people in Egypt um, after, you know, a series of plagues because Pharaoh wouldn't let the people go. And so God brought tremendous hardship upon, uh, upon the Egyptian rulers of the day. And eventually, you know, let my people go, let my people go. Um, Pharaoh said, go, go. And there were probably about a half a million people who then headed for the Egyptian border. And and you know this story. They were carrying everything with them toward a border that they ultimately could not cross, right? Now, in the book of Exodus, the people were seeking to leave Egypt. Now, um, this these residents of Gaza, these Palestinians, are seeking to enter Egypt but there is no way across the border. It is closed. So I'm just going to pray that God will make a way. I'm going to pray that God will make a way where right now there is no way that people would not perish in unimaginable numbers in the desert, exposed, hungry, thirsty, trapped, and afraid. Um, So that's my prayer today, that God would make a way where right now there seems to be no way. 
Um, Prayer is the topic of today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day. If you get um, the Growing Your Faith verse of the day every day in your in your inbox, then you are already um, into the Lord's Prayer, the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples in Matthew chapter 6, because that's where we've been this weekend. And so I'm going to read it in its entirety, Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 13. Um, and as, um, as we consider these words of Jesus teaching his first disciples how to pray, consider their application for this day. Our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses. As we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from the evil one. That's where Jesus' instruction ends. We often add, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. As you pray that today, I want you to consider those um, maybe very close at hand, maybe in your own community, but also those around the world who do not have daily bread today. They do not have daily bread today. I'm thinking about this half a million uh, or million people um, who are seeking to evacuate Gaza City and head south uh, into the open desert. Um, I'm also thinking about the people in uh, South America where the Amazon River has basically run dry and everyone that lives in uh, in and along the Amazon and relies on that river for their food and sustenance is desperately hungry. I'm thinking of all of the people around the world where grain is not arriving because of the blockade of grain shipments by Russia against Ukraine. I am thinking about um, people across the entire swath of African countries where there has been drought and there is now famine. Even as we pray, give us this day our daily bread. Our friend Dave Burring is going to join us next, and we're going to um, we're going to actually talk about how we learn to war. Um, we're going to talk about spiritual warfare and how prepared we are for the days in which we live. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Our friend Dave Buring is back from Lion Share. You can find what we're talking about at lionshare.org. Good morning, Dave. Good morning, Carmen. So let's talk about spiritual warfare. Lots of um, lots of conversation about war uh, in yeah. the world today. Um, Jesus never engaged in you know what we would think of as the kind of war that people are engaged in, but he was nonetheless engaged in a war. So can we talk about the warring mentality of Jesus? Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's something that oftentimes isn't talked about enough. And uh, oftentimes when you deal with a subject like spiritual warfare, for some people, that's a brand new concept. And it, it revolves around the reality that Jesus has 
resisted the enemy, defeated the enemy, meaning the devil, and he gave us authority in our lives to do the same. And so it's something that I think in the days that we're living in is really important because sometimes stuff that comes our way is life that happens. You know, you, you run over a nail, you're going to get a flat tire, you know, mm -hmm. life that happens. And then there's other things that happen that you just kind of go, hmm, is there more to this than just that? Or sometimes I find it's actually both. Yeah, uh, that's that's the way I feel as well. It's um, it, it is both. Could we maybe um, lay some scriptural groundwork for us here? Are there some passages of scripture that are sort of the uh, establish a um, a foundation for us in these conversations? Yes. So um, I often think uh, of Matthew four to begin with because that's Jesus's own you know, wrestling, as it were, being attacked by the devil. And so I think that's always a great place to start where the enemy accuses Jesus of three things, and he responds using scripture, and um, we see him defeat him there. I think also Ephesians chapter 6, it says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert, which means to be watchful, attentive, and ready with all perseverance. So there's kind of that sense of like Carmen, the way that I often look at it is, you know, people who are in the military who have fought in wars, it's it it is a, there's a familiarity to what it looks like for them, and so they let's say they have fought you know a year or two in battles, then when they wake up each morning, there's a familiarity that this is a part of their day, and so there's an awareness that they have, there's a watchfulness that they have, so when something happens, they're ready to respond. And I think that's something that we need to be thinking about as well. Do we even have spiritual warfare on our radar? Mm. I think that's important. Um, I'll give you another verse here. First Peter 5, 8, 9. Uh, Peter says, be sober-minded and be watchful. There's that watchful again. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him firm in your faith. So, you know, and, and that's just kind of a couple that help us um, recognize the, the groundedness of this concept in Scripture. Mm, that's really good. Um, I do think there are a lot of folks who um, they just don't take the reality of the enemy very seriously. And so this mm -hmm. call to be sober minded and watchful, mm -hmm. um, this acknowledgement that I have an adversary um, mm -hmm. and that he is actively actively looking right now um, for a way into my life. I, I am aware that um, the enemy knows my woundedness and therefore mm -hmm. knows, knows the, you know, knows the softest opportunity to attack. Yeah. Right. Big, I mean, he knows, he knows where I'm, he knows where I'm vulnerable. He knows where I'm weak and that's just where he presses in. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and, you know, we can remind those listening today, it's not because he, you know, is omniscient and knows everything. It's he's been around the human condition for a long time. And therefore, well, and Dave, I and I have probably because of my own complaining or my own um, hand wringing, I have probably spoken those things out loud. I've probably said, yeah. you know, these are just things yeah. I can't control or these are just things yeah. I can't over. And, and the devil's like, oh, let me just write that down on that little note card next to her name. Yeah, I mean, it, right. Exactly. It's, not, it's not that exactly. he knows any more than I've, you know, but I, I guarantee yeah. you, I am the one who has sort of let it be known. 
Yeah, no, that's yeah. exactly right. And and it's important that we realize that, you know, the the thing that opens the door, and again, this can become a little scary, but in a good sense of the fear of the having the fear of the Lord in our lives is our mm. own sin, our own lies, uh, our own choices are the things that open the door. Mm. And you know, and that's one of the things that we have to be aware of is that that Ephesians talks about not giving the devil an opportunity. And again, I think that's one of the things we don't think of very much is, okay, what what things in my thought life, what motives and attitudes do I have? What words that come out of my mouth and what actions actually might give the devil an opportunity either to attack me or to get through me to those I love? That. That's a game changer. I mean, you just take and spend a half an hour meditating on that before the Lord, you know, and just say, okay, Lord, help me see here. Where are those soft places, those vulnerable places where I just let the enemy come and run all over me? And part of what we're, we're going to talk about today of some of these five Ds actually mm-hmm. came Carmen, because I, I kind of got tired of seeing friends, if I could put it this way, being dragged under the bus spiritually and not being aware and not knowing how to resist. And they chalked everything up to circumstances, which I think is a great place to start. But then you also have to say, okay, now what's going on here spiritually? And and part of it has to do with what we're talking about. We are not sober-minded. We are not attentive. We are not watchful. And I think if we were, we'd find that biblical balance of warfare. We're talking um, with Dave Buring. We're learning to war uh, in the sense of spiritual warfare. You can find the resources we're talking about at lionshare.org. I'm happy to send you the direct link link to the um, to the Lionshare podcast episode that we're talking about. Um, Matthew chapter four, Ephesians chapter six, First Peter five, eight, and nine. Those are the texts that um, we have laid as the foundation for this conversation about spiritual warfare. Um, Dave, before we jump into the five D's, which are Satan's mm-hmm. primary weapons, let's take, um, let's take a minute or so just to review some of Satan's names and titles so we can remember who this enemy is. Yeah. And I think it's, uh, the, his names and titles actually help reveal who he is to us so that we kind of posture ourselves well. So Satan means adversary. So you actually have somebody there who's against you, devil means accuser and you know where he's accusing you of things you know constantly accusing god of things oh yeah see he loves him but he doesn't really love you does he and and it's that kind of stuff um he's called the enemy which means he opposes us uh second corinthians 4 tells us he's the god of this world who blinds the eyes of unbelievers he's the prince of the power of the air um, he's the sneaky, poisonous serpent. And and I like what Jesus called him here because he just calls it out. He's a liar. He's a murderer. He is a thief who steals, kills, and destroys. And he's a tempter. So those are some of the things that Satan is called, either by names or titles or his character, that helps us understand what we're dealing with. Mm. So good. All right. We are um, not only, you know, surveying, getting to know the enemy well enough that we can um, recognize him when he approaches or seeks to um, undermine God's uh, authority or concern or grace in our lives. 
Dave Buring is going to share with us next the five D's, Satan's primary weapons. I mean, are you aware? Are you aware and awake and alert to the fact that there is an enemy prowling around right now looking looking for a way into your life to devour you? Um, do you know the weapons that he is um, most likely to use? We're going to talk about that next here on Mornings with Carmen. Hey, this is Carmen from the Mornings with Carmen show. Who's your pastor? This is Pastor Appreciation Month, and so I want you to think about who is your pastor or who are your pastors? Who shepherds your heart? Who gives you wise and faithful counsel? Who comes alongside to encourage you as you walk difficult stretches of the road? Who opens the Word of God to you in ways that actually help you live into the character and ways of God? Who are your pastors? Do they know it? It's possible you have lots of answers to this question, that maybe there is somebody who's preaching or teaching you listen to regularly. They shape your scripture engagement, but they don't know it. I'm encouraging you to tell them. Whoever it is that comes to mind when I say, who is your pastor? I want you to reach out to them this month. It's Pastor Appreciation Month. So encourage those who pastor you. Oh, and if you are a pastor, thank you. Bless you. Connecting Faith to Life, Faith Radio. You are um, a person like a city under siege, and you have a real enemy, and his name is Satan. He is the liar. Um, He is a roaring lion who seeks to intimidate. Um, He is a very, very real enemy, uh, and he uses particular weapons over and over and over again. Um, And so we're going to look at five of Satan's primary weapons as we learn to war uh, with Dave Buring. So these resources are available at lionshare.org. More than happy to uh, send you the direct link. Just text me 877-933-2484. All right, Dave, uh, hit us with the five Ds. Okay, I'll take it one or two at a time here. So the first one that um, I think the enemy uses, and it started in Genesis 3-1 when we, he first appears in the scripture in the form of a serpent and says he asked God or asked Adam and Eve, did God really say? Mm-hmm. And the first of the five D's is distort. The enemy will try to attempt to distort and disfigure the character of God in our heart and mind so that we do not see him for what he's really like. Because the reality is, and you know this, Carmen, if people see God, they see Jesus for who he really is. You can't help but fall in love with him. You can't help but want to trust your life to him. The problem is the there's been such a distortion around what God is really like that it actually has at times pushed us away. And the enemy is behind that. He jumps on those situations where we have been hurt. We've been wounded, the church hurt thing, all that stuff. He jumps on that to try to distort God and distort oftentimes the situations around us. So that's that's the first one. I, I, it occurs to me that like distortion leads to doubt, which leads to disobedience. Like there are some yeah. there are some D's yeah. that follow on the distortion D. Um, this, <laughs> yeah. The second one is distraction. This one, um, I will just say, uh, I think that uh, in the in the world we live in today, distraction maybe should be number one in terms of um, the 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 weapon the enemy uses to to get us off the mark of where we're supposed to be. Yes. Uh, agreed. And, you know, the, the, I liked it, that movie up where you have the, you know, the dog that's having a happy mm. life and it's completely distracted by squirrels. And, you know, and that reality is kind of how our life is. It's like the enemy 
will try to put shiny things inside of our lives to distract us. And so I just want you to think uh, of the last time you know the Lord showed you to do something. So just those of you listening, think about that, that you know it was the Lord and he showed you to do something. Have you done it? Have you walked in obedience or have you gotten distracted? And uh, he causes all kind of loss of focus, diversion, commotion, confusion, something I call a spiritual swirl where you can get kind of sucked into this thing where you, you went into something clear minded and you come out of it more confused than ever. We'll see if the enemy can get you distracted from what God has asked you to do from the scriptures or maybe in your prayer time, things he's asked you to do. It's a win for him. Mm. I'm thinking here that um, uh, distraction leads to diversion, and that leads me onto a detour from God's way. And so, like, right, there's a that's a that's even one degree off of where I'm supposed to be is is going to lead me, you know, in, in the wrong direction. So that one is so good. Um, discouragement is uh, is the third weapon that you highlight here. Um, discouragement is so powerful because it leads to despair. And that is just no place for um, a Christian to be living. Yeah. Yeah. And discouragement is kind of the, I would say, one of the most common ones that we all bump into that I think, Carmen, we oftentimes don't pay enough attention to. It's just, yeah, I'm kind of having a, a tough day. Yeah. Hey, given, we all have that, right? But discouragement is can be an actual an, an attack of the enemy where he tries to align certain things up to impact your life, your thought life, that kind of thing, where he he doesn't know your thoughts, but he, he knows how to, so to speak, fire arrows in there. And his aim, like, I want you to think of the word discourage, mm. meaning remove courage. And in mm. particular, removing courage to obey what Jesus asks us to do. And so when you think about it from that point of view, it's often comes like in the form of a spiritual wet blanket, that just gets thrown on us. And, you know, when you try to get out of that thing, it's difficult and it still, you know, kind of wraps itself around you and you, you try to pull it off. And we just need to be aware that that many a believer before us has walked through discouragement and Jesus can lead us out of it. But oftentimes in the midst of discouragement, Carmen, I don't think we pause. We, we do recognize the circumstances, but we don't pause to say, okay, how is the enemy trying to accentuate this in my life? to keep me in a place where I cannot step up in courage. That That is actually um, a really good one for me in terms of um, recognizing the opposite spirit of Jesus. <laughs> mm. um, yeah, so that one, that spiritual wet blanket, that is, um, that's so good. Let's talk about deception. This one is not going to mm. surprise anyone, um, but uh, it's also, I think, very, very difficult to recognize in a pro in a post truth culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree, and it's uh, like I find myself starting to think about current event situations, particularly if there's a spiritual edge to it, and you, you're hearing, you know, two different sides of things, and it's learning to discern. Not not necessarily just the right and the wrong, but to be able to discern, okay, why is this person saying it this way? And and what is the motive behind here? And are they speaking out of their own hurt? Or are they speaking out of a form of pride or legalism? Some of that helps me learn to discern. I, I like to say, Carmen, that deceiving, the enemy deceiving is this. It's a blend of falsehoods mixed with a portion of truth aimed at our vulnerabilities. So let me say that again, a blend of falsehoods mixed with a portion of truth, otherwise it wouldn't go in, 
and aimed at our vulnerabilities. And so I think it's one of those things, again, of, of being honest with where we are. Um, one of the ways that I help people look at this, particularly when I'm walking with leaders, is I'll ask this question. If you were the devil, how would you take you out? And, you know, to, to make you pause and and be honest. Like if you were the devil and you had to strategize in the next 48 hours, I got to take this woman, take this man out. They're, they're being too damaging to the kingdom of darkness and advancing gods. I got to take them out. Where would he fire his missiles? And if you're honest, within about 30 seconds, you know those places of deception and vulnerability in your life where you're stuck. So good. All right. Um, division. I mean, I think um, this one, we feel this one. We feel it in our relationships. Mm-hmm. We feel it in our country. Um, we, we feel this one. Talk about um, this spiritual weapon of the enemy. Yes. It, it's all about separating. You know, the uh, division is when... Uh, we are separated from one another, and the enemy operates in this. He does. He knows that a united united body of Christ can defeat him. He knows this. Psalm one thirty three talks about God's blessing on unity, and so he recognizes, man, if that church and that church, if all these churches in the same town really loved each other, served each other, walked well together, he stands no chance. And so he constantly is after the body of Christ. Now, everybody in the world, he's after to separate, right? He doesn't like that, but particularly the body of Christ. One of the things, Carmen, I had to observe over the years is that another expression of division is people operating independently. In other words, they're not referencing others. Uh, They're just kind of doing it alone, and it's all about me. And if you operate independently, you're really vulnerable to the enemy causing division in your relationships or you being a source of division in others. So dividing is definitely one of his, uh, you know, key strategies and key weapons and something we need to pay attention to. All right. Dave offers us counter punches to each and every one of these. Um, I would love to send those to you, a link to these notes on learning to war from Dave Buring at lionshare.org. Just uh, just text me at 877-933-2484. I will uh, bounce back the direct link, but you can also find it at lionshare.org um, backslash learning to war. Dave, um, as always, thank you so much. Thanks, Carmen. Have a great day today. Yeah, likewise, likewise. All right, um, this is not to scare you, right? This is that we would be sober-minded and that we would be uh, people who are aware and ready and awake, alert to the realities of the time in which we live. Um, Conflict sometimes reaches a fever pitch. You may feel like that is where we're living right now. The nations feel like they are in an uproar. Kingdoms are falling. Well, Psalm 46 reminds us that in the midst of that, God lifts up his voice and the earth melts. Psalm 46 is where God then says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Let's not forget to turn to the uh, the power that we have in God, uh, even though we are under constant attack by the enemy. Our friend Adam Carrington is going to join us next. We're going to turn to some concerns here in the United States, including the fact that the House of Representatives still has no speaker. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen.
our friend Dr. Adam Carrington is back from Hillsdale College. Good morning, Adam. Good morning, Carmen. How are you? <laughs> I'm fine. So, um, yeah, what what is going on in the United States House of Representatives? How could they go this long without a speaker? What's go what what do you think is going to happen next? What's how is it supposed to work? Just, you know, wander around with us in in this and um, help us find our footing. <laughs> There's been a lot of wondering uh, with the A and an O regarding the House lately. Yes, the so, so I think one has to go back to, and I know we talked together about this on the show when it happened, Speaker McCarthy, former Speaker McCarthy's assent to getting the gavel as as head of the Speaker, of the, as the Speaker of the House of Representatives, and that being the most contested speaker's race in well over a century and it was because so that's the political side comes out of the fact that you had a very narrow republican majority one that you needed near unanimity among republicans in order to have anything go through on a party line vote and speaker votes are almost always party line votes and um to do so it 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 really uh, further exposed deep divisions within the Republican Party ideologically, but I would say just as much temperamentally. Um, it exposed those who are want think the Republican Party needs to be focused more on governing and those who I think are more interested in uh, either blowing up the system, as they like to say, or uh, who are trying to push um uh, uh, more uh, uh, dysfunction for the hopefully the sake of maybe future function. Uh, so that was exposed, and uh, and and now uh, the problem is they can't agree on who the next speaker might be. So it was supposedly a two man race: uh, Steve Scalise and Jim Jordan. And Scalise won a a private vote or a secret ballot, but not by much. And then had to drop out when it became clear that not enough of the people who had voted for Jim Jordan would support him. Now it's not clear that there's enough people that will switch over to Jim Jordan, the congressman from Ohio, to support him. So, yeah, we're we're it, it's a mess because um, there's even talk of a bipartisan moderate speaker that uh, certain how uh, Democrats and Republicans will come together for. And I think it really uh, just shows that um, uh, the, the the dysfunction of Congress in general, in general, but also of at least the the, the Republican Party in in the House as well. And as far as finding our footing, the the thing that has mitigated this is that the House has been partly on out of session, not not meeting for a while. But it is going to cause serious problems in moving forward because a lot of the rules for the House required the leadership of the Speaker of the House. So this could really grind a lot of the the normal acting of the House to a standstill, which given you know the, the, the crisis over in the Middle East and, and other things going on could have real life consequences. We talk about real life consequences. There is, you know, like actual work that the House of Representatives is supposed to be doing. Um, could you just remind us about that? Like what 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 is the House of Representatives like? What is the work they should be doing and is not being done while they are fighting among themselves about who should lead them as House Speaker? 
Yeah, and this points to a bigger problem that I think is feeding the current problem. By bigger, I mean it's deeper, it's broader, it's historically more uh, prevalent, or it's been around longer. And that is, you know, the fundamental job, and this shouldn't be too hard to to know, that the that that the House has is to legislate. The mm-hmm. it is vested along with the Senate as with the legislative power of the United States of America. And the way it is supposed to get it, exercise its power is is through passing laws, the laws that are needed to protect the life, liberty, and property of people that live here, citizens and residents, um, to pursue national defense, to uh, uh, better uh, uh, better the lives of the people here. But Congress, well before this squabble, has spent a lot of time stuck in an identity crisis. And that mm-hmm. identity crisis is not liberal or conservative. It's institutional where they have passed off a lot of their legislative power to government agencies, to the president um, and the executive branch. And uh, because of doing that, and there were all sorts of reasons we could get into why they did that, um, they've had to find other ways to, 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 to try to pursue their own ambitions, to pursue their own desires for fame, for glory, or even for the common good. And it's created a a class of congressmen that others have described as less institutionally minded, less constitutionally minded, and more performative. Um, They're kind of performing for, you know, either YouTube hits or uh, stepping stones to other offices, not that aren't in Congress. Uh, And they've lost the idea that if we make Congress the best legislative branch it can be, we would have power, we would have fame, we would have honor. Instead, they seem to undermine the institution for their own personal glory. And that comes from forgetting who they are as a legislative branch. And I think this squabbling is uh, not just a result of certain dysfunctions in the Republican Party, but uh, dysfunction in the branch itself where it's kind of lost its way and forgotten what it was supposed to be there to do in the first place, left or right. Again, this that isn't even a policy or a, a liberal or conservative uh, accusation. It's an institution. It's an institution that has forgotten who it is. Uh, you will know they are Christians by their love. You will know they are Congress by their ability to legislate. So there you go. Um, Christians in the culture today are probably asking a little bit of a so what right now. Um, is there a so what or a now what for uh, for Christians as we as we seek to be good citizens, dual citizens of this small K kingdom, in addition to being uh, kingdom kingdom citizens, you know, in, in terms of the kingdom of God? Yeah, I think the the step back there, and and yeah, I was going very political scientist on that. I apologize. Uh, the is to think again two things: why do we have government in the first place? Why did God institute government, as Romans thirteen says? And it's to protect and even honor the innocent, and it is to uh, punish the guilty in 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 pursuit of protecting the innocent and honoring the good, and. I think one of the great additions to politics that the American founders really took a hold of and instituted was the constitutional separation of powers. 
and that you know the separation of powers is not really mandated by scripture but it has been a human way of i think realizing the purposes that god has given to government in a uniquely efficient and good and protective of the individual way to protect the individual from harm either from others or from the government and when that system is undermined you move toward one of two things that are detrimental to human beings made in the image of god undermining of god's purposes for government and that is either listless anarchy where the government can't do what it's supposed to do to protect uh and, and to punish or a kind of uh, a, a consolidation of tyranny where uh governing officials act like they're god and uh tyrannize over those that they should be uh protecting and shepherding and so i think that's where the rubber meets the road is um you know we can kind of laugh at congress right now but a system like this playing out like this can have long-term damage to not protecting people or to causing even, even tyranny down the road when people get fed up with the system. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to take a very brief break. Uh, for those of you living in Minneapolis, uh, you will want to know that Supreme Court Justice Amy Coney Barrett is speaking today at the University of Minnesota Uh and there are no tickets left. But I'm telling you this because protests are expected and planned. 700 students have signed a petition demanding the University of Minnesota rescind her invitation. Um, some students are expected to protest outside of Northrop Auditorium during the event, which begins at 4 p.m. today. So you can expect um, barricades in that part of town probably by noon. Increased security is expected around the entirety of the University of Minnesota. This in the midst of protests and demonstrations taking place at a number of universities across the country. Those related to the war against Hamas terrorists in Gaza um, with the with the nation of Israel. So. All of that is going to lead us into a conversation with Dr. Adam Carrington about classic liberalism. What is classic liberalism? And um, do we think it's dead? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. I'm Angela Smith, host of Reading the Bible Together. And have you ever read the book of Matthew? You know, at the very beginning when it has the whole genealogy of Jesus and read or tried to read through those difficult names and thought, who are these people? What, what are their stories? You know, why are they listed here? In our next reading plan, we're going to be looking at five of the women in Jesus's genealogy. It's called Unexpected, Five Women in the Lineage of Jesus. We're going to take a look at Tamar. Who was she? You know, what, what is her story? We're going to look at Rahab and Ruth and Bathsheba and Mary, Jesus's mother. All the women who you're going to hear on the podcast have contributed to the study guide. You can get your hands on that study guide at myfaithradio.com and sign up. I sure hope that you'll do this study with us so that the next time you go and read Jesus's genealogy, you'll recognize some of those names and know some of those stories. You can get that study guide at myfaithradio.com and you can listen to Reading the Bible Together podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you um, a liberal? Are you liberal in the classical sense? I think that the uh, the word gets a very, very bad rap because we have uh, imagined that you can divide everybody into liberal and conservative. And if you're a Christian, you might say, "Well, I want to be I want to be a conservative because I believe in conserving things." 
Well, maybe classic liberalism is not a bad thing, but a good thing, and it doesn't mean you're liberal. So, Dr. Adam Carrington, what is classic liberalism, and why are we talking about it today? Well, classic liberalism, and here's the thing to go back and see just how terms evolve. Those who are opposing the New Deal in the 1930s as being too socialist, and and I'm not saying whether they're right or or not on that, but uh, called themselves liberals in defense of uh, more free markets, in defense of less uh, smaller size of government, you know, all the things that that were attributed at least in the Reagan era to conservatism. So, So what classical liberalism is, is digging back much further and saying that um, there is a commitment in the West that developed, especially uh, post-Protestant Reformation, but uh, with the help of of Catholics, Protestants, and more, that uh, committed to the idea, one, of democracy or popular rule, as a uh, outworking of the idea that human beings are equal in the image of God, so they should have equal participation in rule. But it didn't just stop there. It said its majorities themselves must respect the uh, God-given rights of individuals, even when majorities don't want to, even when the minority may be unpopular or disliked for some reason. And so classical liberalism came in and said, not only do we believe in popular government, we believe in uh, individual rights and and freedom of speech and the uh, the idea that your life, your liberty and property that I mentioned last segment need to uh, be respected and protected as things that God has given to you. And um, the, the, this building up of this idea of rights and rights married to popular rule is uh, really formed the vibrancy of the West over much of the last four to five hundred years and fighting against attacks to it, whether it be fascism or communism or other things, was kind of its tests in the past. And I think we're bringing this up because some of the response to um, the attacks on Israel themselves who have attempted to be as best they can for their circumstances a liberal democracy and therefore have moved toward classical liberalism more and more over the last especially 20 years um, uh, has really opened up a deep attack on this system that seems to reject it and wants to reject it in 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 service of some other system that denies many of the values that have been really a bulwark for uh, the United States and the West over centuries at this point. And I think you see this with a lot of the protests on campus. Uh, you were talking about the protests that are coming with Justice Barrett, but a lot of the pro-Palestinian, or really, to be honest, a lot of them fringe on pro-Hamas uh, uh, protests that we've seen, especially on campuses. That's where I think is its uh, uh, most uh, virulent manifestation. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's I think what we're talking about is this system that has really been a vibrant part of how the West has acted, understood and thrived is is under serious attack. So if you're listening right now, I'm wondering um, if you are if you're thinking that. Classical education, which actually 
results in a worldview of classical liberalism or classic liberalism. Like, do you you understand um, that when we talk about classic liberalism, we're actually talking about the foundational ideas of Western culture um, founded in in what it looks like to really be a post-Reformation Christian. I think that that, I think we talk about the building blocks of this, Adam. A lot of people don't know maybe what laid the foundation for Western culture. And um, the the Christian ideas and ideals behind or beneath what we understand as classic liberalism. My respect for you as a person because you are a person. And therefore, I'm going to respect the freedom of you to um, to think and believe what you want to think and believe because God actually respects your freedom um, of thought, your freedom of religion, your freedom to choose him or not choose him, your freedom to, um, to, to say whatever you want to say, even if it's horribly offensive to God, um, and then as a Christian, horribly offensive to me. But because God is a respecter in this way of, uh, of the individual rights of the person, um, I so too am a respecter of your individual rights. Absolutely. And I, I can give an American instance of this. So you, you in the 1850s, you had slavery starting to really tear at the fabric of, of the American polity, and it had been avoided, it had been pushed down the, the pike. And uh, Stephen Douglas, a senator from Illinois, says, well, I've got the answer to this. We'll vote on it. We'll just have everybody vote on whether they want slavery or not. And aren't we a democracy? And that, that's going to be the answer. And Abraham Lincoln comes in, and this is the core of the Lincoln-Douglas debates, the famous Lincoln-Douglas debates, is he says, no, the very reason we vote is because we believe people need to consent. And why do we believe people need to consent to being ruled? Because all are created equal. And you're going to vote to undermine the very basis of equality. Uh, you're going you're gonna to exercise your equality to deny equality to others, Right. And uh, I think that is is very much in line with, as you said, post-Protestant or post-Reformation, uh, the post-Reformation world. And again, the fundamental question here, I think, really is, where do we get our justice from? Mm. Is our justice from the character and will of God, or is it from the character and will of particular men at particular times exerting their own power? And... I think the answer should be obvious, not just for who God is versus who we are, but it should be obvious which would be better for us, uh, an all-loving and all-powerful God who is the fount of all justice versus fallen human beings who, uh, since the fall of Genesis 3, have had to fight our own temptations to um, selfishly harm each other and to foolishly misunderstand how to help each other. And I think that um, when we lose that, and there are attempts to make a kind of atheistic uh, classical liberalism, but I think in the end they ultimately fail because ultimately behind this system is the idea that God is God and we are not, and that's how we should act accordingly. Adam, thank you as always for your um, insightful and, and sober look at uh, the issues of the day and helping us do so 
through um, an informed Christian worldview. That's Dr. Adam Carrington from Hillsdale College. Um, All right, what are you thinking about what is happening uh, here in the United States and around the world? How are you bringing the mind of Christ to bear? What questions do you have? The text line's always open, 877-933-2484. like to hear the things about which you are concerned that we might um, together apply the mind of Christ to the issues of the day. We are going to um, have another hour together. Next, we're going to talk a lot more about what is happening in the Middle East, and we are going to talk about things here at home as well. There has been a rise across the globe in anti-Semitic attacks, events of of all kinds. And um, sadly, uh, you know, there have been, there's been a rise not only in anti-Semitic events here in the United States, but also anti-Muslim events. Um, attacks as well. And so, you know, let, this is a time for us to focus on being neighbor and being good neighbor. Um, it's also a time for us to recognize that God's got the whole world in his hands, even if it feels like, even when it feels like things are spinning desperately um, out of control. So let's be sure that we put ourselves squarely in God's hands today, um, that he would have us and hold us and keep us, guide us and protect us. We've got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. You're listening to Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.